Well, I don't know who did this, but this is one of the reasons why I love this church. I got my amen thing. So, so, so when I'm preaching and I put this up, that means say amen. Okay? So whoever did this, Jesus loves you. Awesome. If you have your Bible, please open it to Matthew 5. We're going to be looking at uh, verse verse 9 today. Matthew 9, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Advent, as we know, is, is about the arrival and coming of Jesus as the giver. That's what we have been talking about the past three Sundays. He comes to earth as the giver. Not as a receiver, not as a consumer, but the giver. He's the giver of blessings blessings. And we've been looking at the Beatitudes as, as something that Jesus gives to all of his people. He gives a kingdom. He's a giver of comfort. He's a giver of an inheritance. He's a giver of satisfaction. He's a giver of mercy. And he's the giver of communion. That's what Jesus gives to all of his people. Now this morning we're going to talk about the final blessing that he gives us in the Beatitudes. And it's in verse chapter, it's in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 5. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you did come to this earth to save sinners. That's what we are. Each of us in this room, we all have issues. We all have a story. We all have things that we've gone through. We all have a testimony, Lord. And there's nothing that we've gone through that you cannot redeem us from. There's nothing that we've done that you will not forgive us of. We just need to come. We just need to come to you and submit and trust. So, Holy Spirit, preaching has no power apart from your word. It does not. Seminary degrees, don't, don't, we still need you. I still need you. Yes, I can study, I can write, but if you don't move in the hearts of people, nothing gets done today at all. We need your supernatural power to move in this place, not just in their hearts, but in my heart, for I'm just a man. And that's all I'm ever going to be. So Holy Spirit, if we are to be the people God wants us to be, we can't do it apart from your power, apart from you moving in us. Forgive us of the ways that we clench you. Forgive us of the ways in which we don't submit to you. So today, undo us. Open us up and put Christ into every area of our life, to every crack, into every broken place. Let Christ come and bring redemption to it. So come, Holy Spirit, come. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. These words, for they shall be called sons of God, it's the final blessing that Jesus gives here. It's the final blessing that he gives us in the Beatitudes. And I want you to pay close attention to what he does throughout these verses. Notice how all the previous blessings that he gives, they work their way down to verse 9. All of them takes us there. The blessing of a kingdom, the blessing of comfort, the blessing of an inheritance, satisfaction, and mercy, and communion. And finally, the blessing 
of adoption. The blessing of adoption. It's the final blessing that Jesus gives. Adoption is the blessing of being called sons and daughters of God. That's who you are as a believer. This final blessing is a highlight of all that Jesus is talking about in these nine verses. Do you know why? Do you know why this is the highlight of all the blessings? Because in this blessing, he is restoring you to what you were created to be. Think about that. In this one blessing, he is restoring you to what you were created to be. Do you know what you were created to be? What I was created to be? Have you ever thought about it? You were created to be God's child. That's what you were created to be. Created to be his son or his daughter. But something happened that messed everything up. Something happened that ruined everything. Something happened that separated you from him. Something happened that made you an orphan. Made every human being in this world orphan. Something happened. The fall happened. Adam and Eve happened. You are a descendant of Adam and Eve. Each of us are. They are our first parents, your first parents. And they are historical figures. They are not figures in the Star Wars universe. They're real. Okay? They're not fairy tale characters in a Disney novel or Disney movie. They are real people. They are historical figures. And everything you read in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 happened. It's all true. It's all true. Created in the image of God, the serpent in the garden, them falling from, from grace, them eating of the forbidden fruit. It sounds like a fairy tale, but it's not a fairy tale. It happened. And when they fell from grace, it messed everything up in all the creation. The fall happened. Just look at the news. Consequences of the fall are felt today. Do you think the world is where it is because of people? The world is where it is because of sin. Because the world is fallen. That's why we have the things that we have. That's why there would never be peace on earth. Because of what happened in Genesis 3. Peace will come, but only when Christ returns the second time. The world is broken because of Genesis 3. And when they fell from grace, when they ate of that fruit, their relationship with God was broken. They became orphans. And so every human being who is now born into this world is born into this world a spiritual orphan, separated from God. Live, we live rebellious and independent lives apart from God. And guess what? You can live a rebellious and independent life from God by either being immoral and unrighteous, or you can do it by being self-righteous and moral. Guess what? Both can send you to hell. You can either hate God by breaking all the rules, or you can hate him by following all the rules. It doesn't matter. If you're an unrighteous orphan or a righteous orphan, you're still an orphan. Separated from God because of sin. And there's only one place, only one person who can help you. Only one person. You see, we have to understand that that to be what it means to be a spiritual orphan, it means you are living in the orphanage of sin and misery. That's where you live before Christ. And in this orphanage, you can't get out. They don't set you free when you turn 18. 
You have to be rescued from this orphanage. You have to be redeemed from this orphanage. And Christ does that. You know how he does that? He takes your place in the orphanage. He takes your place in the orphanage. And the cross is where he took to take your place. The cross is where he takes your place because God says he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Thank you. Adoption. Adoption. You might become the righteousness of God. Galatians 4, verses 5 and 4 and 5 says, When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, as daughters. That's what you receive in Christ if you have faith in him. And faith in Jesus means you trust him and you surrender to him. You don't know, just not knowing Sunday school answers about him. Everyone in the Bible Belt knows a lot of Sunday school stuff about Jesus. But not everybody trusts him, not everybody surrenders to him. Saving faith is trust and surrender to Jesus. Now, the blessing of adoption has a a future reality and a present reality, just like all the blessings in these verses. One of the future realities of this blessing is expressed in Romans 8, 23. It says, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So what is Paul saying there? There's a future reality to your adoption that you will not experience on this side of glory. And that is the redemption of your physical body. That one day, everything about you will be new. Your physical body will be new. Everything about you will be new one day on the other side of glory. Another future reality is seen in 1 John 3, 2. It says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be have not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, that is Jesus, we will be like him. So this future reality means that one day you will be without moral sin. One day you will be without weakness. You will be without sickness. You will be, out, you will be without depression. There will be no more mental illness, no more physical illnesses. One day you will be like him and you will see him face to face. That's a future reality of your adoption as sons and daughters. The third reality of your adoption is that one day the people of God will truly be one in unity. One day we will be one family, united, no longer segregated by race, no longer segregated by economics and culture and denominations. We will be one family one day. We will have what Revelation 7, 9, and 10 says. After this, I look to behold a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One day, we will truly be a united church. One day. Those are future realities. You taste these realities in this life, but it ain't ever going to be what it's going to be until Jesus comes back. Present reality. What are some of them? First is that you're already God's child in Christ. That's who you are at this moment. 
You see, adoption is a wonderful act of God's free grace. A wonderful act of free grace. It means you are received into his family and you have all the rights and privileges of all the children of God. That's what you have now. So you're already his daughter. You're already his son if you have faith in Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus. So you're already his son, not in an internet meme sort of way. You know internet memes when they take pictures of something and they put words on it? So we're not going to take your picture and then put child of God on it and put it on Facebook. That's not what it means to be the child of God. That's faith. You are really God's child in Christ, but you have to believe it. Do you believe that's who you are? Do you believe that's who you are as you live this life? That you are a child, a child, a daughter, a son of the king of the universe. Have you ever, have that, has it ever made its way into your heart, into your soul? That the creator of heaven and earth, Yahweh Elohim, calls me son, calls me daughter. What do you make of that? What did you make of that? John 1.12 says, But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. To receive Jesus, to believe in Jesus, that's, belief, that's trust and surrender. And he gives you the right to become children of God. 1 John 3.1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we shall be called children of God, and so we are. That's who you are. The second present reality of the blessing of adoption is, is that the Spirit lives in you. Paul calls it the, the Spirit of adoption. He says, Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You're not an orphan anymore. You're no longer fatherless anymore. You have a father. Abba, father, daddy, father. That's who you have now. An adoption. But do you believe it? Look at verse 9b with me. It says, for they shall be called sons of God. The, the Greek term that is translated called can also be translated bear the name. Bear the name. And so you can, verse 9b can, be, can, can basically read, they shall bear the name, sons of God. You shall bear the name, child of God, son of God, daughter of God. And so this means is that to be called a son and daughter of God is not like being called a fan of Alabama. It's not like being called a fan of Auburn football. It's not like being called a Republican or a Democrat or a liberal or a conservative. It's not like being called a Baptist or a Presbyterian or a Seventh-day Adventist. Why? Because you can stop being those things. In any given moment, you can stop being any of those things. But if you're a child of God, you can't stop being that. You can't stop being a child of God once he adopts you. You're his. You bear his name. So that means the present reality of this blessing is that your name has changed. Your status has changed. Your identity has changed. But what gets us into trouble, we place our identity in other stuff. The one identity that makes all the difference, you already have, but you don't believe it. You don't believe it's enough. God's child, God's son, God's daughter, the identity that you already have, you bear that name. 
but do you believe it? It's not a tattoo. It's not a cliche. It's part of your DNA as a believer. You got to rest in that. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I bear that name and no other name because of what Christ has done for me. Sons and daughters of Yahweh Elohim. You are no longer an orphan, but a child. Do you believe it? You are no longer lost, but you have been found. Do you believe it? You're no longer fatherless. You have a father. Do you believe it? You're no longer without family. You have the church. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, an heir through God. You're not the help. You are an heir in God's family. Praise Jesus for the blessing of adoption. My favorite quote, I've used this quote before because I love it. From the book of animal form, it says, all animals are equal, but not all. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. I love that quote. Because when you look at the fallen world, that's the world we live in. All humans are equal, but some are more equal than others. They are the haves, they are the have-nots. We can't deny that. They are the resourceful and the under-resourceful. We know that. They are the privileged and the non-privileged. You cannot deny any of those things. For example, I read an article that the National Institute of Literacy has found that 70% of prisoners fall into the lowest levels of reading proficiency. And so when many states project how many prison beds they're going to need they factor into the number of children who read poorly in the fourth grade. So take note of what they're saying. If your child's in the fourth grade that can't read well, the system already has a present bed waiting for him or her. They have already given up. They have already said, that boy is going to one day go to jail. That girl is going to one day go to jail. That's the world we live in. All are equal, but some are equal than others. But in God's kingdom... In God's family, all his people are equal. The resourceful and the non-resourceful, they are still equal in his eyes. All are equal in value, dignity, and self-worth. They are equally loved and equally cared for in God's kingdom. There are no favorites. He shows that he loves them all the same. He loves the Billy Grahams of the world the same way he loves you. But do you believe it? But do you believe it? See what kind of love the Father has given you, that you should be called children of God, and that is what you are in Christ, in Him, in Him. But do you believe it? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons, daughters of God. Pay close attention here, because... Those who are in God's kingdom, there are things that are produced in us, character marks that are produced in us. Peacemaker is a character mark that is produced in all God's people. That's, again, that's not a spiritual gift. That's a character mark of a believer. He doesn't say, blessed are the liberals. 
I don't read that. They don't say blessed are the conservatives. They don't say blessed are the Presbyterians. They don't say blessed are the Methodists. They don't say blessed are the Baptists. Blessed are the Seventh-day Adventists. He doesn't say, blessed are the Americans. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall bear the name sons and God and daughters of God. Geico Insurance has these series of funny commercials. They call them, it's what you do commercials. I don't know if you've seen some of them. When they have one with Dora the Explorer, they have one with the Operation Game, they have one with the rock band Europe. And my favorite one is called the Peter Pan Reunion. And in that one, no Peter Pan comes flying in, and, and all his friends are now old, now older. And so, but he's still young. And so the commercial says that if you're Peter Pan, you stay young forever. It's what you do. And so if you're a child of God, you make peace. It's what you do. It ain't who you are. It's what you do because of who you are. And so if you are a son and daughter, you should work for, to make peace. You should cultivate peace among people because it's what you do. But do you do it? Reflect on how you function in your relationships. How do you function in your relationships? Think about how you behave on social media. Think about it. Are you a peacemaker or are you a warmaker? How do you function? You will either be a peacemaker among people or you will be a warmaker among people. You can't be both. The church only has one option here. We are peacemakers. There are a lot of war makers out there, but we should be the salt and light of the world, not going along with what the world does. So who are you? A war maker brings divisions and disunity. That's what a war maker does. A war maker keeps things stirred up, keeps drama stirred up. That's what a war maker does. Keeps things going, put fire on the, put fire on the flame that's already flaming instead of trying to put it out. Who are you in your marriage? Are you a peacemaker or a warmaker? Who are you when you're on your job, dealing with your boss and your coworkers? Are you a peacemaker or are you a warmaker? Who are you? As you parent your kids and raise your family, who are you? How do you function in those relationships? Kids, how do you function in your school, on your team, among your siblings? Are you a warmaker or are you a peacemaker? I know you're young, but you're still a sinner, too. It ain't just your parents' fault. You have issues, too. It ain't just them. Don't worry. I step on everybody's toes. So who are you? How are you going to function in this church? It's all good when everybody likes each other. But when the issues come, who are you going to be? A war maker or a peacemaker? How do you function in American politics? I know you function there. How? Warmaker, peacemaker. When next November comes around, when the world is crying, thinking the world coming to an end because of who gets in the White House, who are you going to be? The peacemaker or the warmaker? The church only has one option. We are peacemakers. Peacemakers. So how do you function in, the, in, in, in this country? We have to realize this is the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. See, I believe there's a disconnection with the, church, with the church in America. There's a big disconnection. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? I'll tell you what I mean. Our faith is often disconnected from the places where we truly live in this country. There's a disconnection. We have the disconnection because we fully don't appreciate and understand and value how far Jesus had to go to truly rescue us. 
how far he really had to go. His finished work is just good theological discussion and good talk and Bible study. It hasn't made its way down here in our soul. Not deep enough. Do you know why it hasn't made its way that far down? Because he who has been forgiven a little loves little. Christ's words. We live like people who have been forgiven a little sin. And it shows in the way we treat other people. It shows. Jesus didn't die for big sin for me. No, but for so-and-so, yeah, they, they got big sin, but not me. Each of us have to remember and understand how bad off we were in the orphanage of sin. We weren't little orphan Annie, okay? We had a hard not life. You weren't just an orphan separated from God. You were God's enemy, and that's what the church forgets. We were God's enemy when we were lost in our sin, in that orphanage. You were a terrorist, a terrorist to God's kingdom. Let's put it that way, because that's the word we use today, to God's kingdom. But we don't think like that. We don't, we don't think that way. We think, well, I'm a sinner separated God. You were an enemy separated from God. Why is Christianity different from every other religion? Because the God dies for his enemies. That's it. Not just sinners, sinners who were his enemies. That's what he died for. So how deep is the Father's love for us? It's deep. Because who's going to die for an enemy? No one would die for an enemy. But God does. And when you understand who you used to be, then you realize, man, maybe I can be a little more compassionate with people. You are a peacemaker. Why he calls you to be a peacemaker? Because you are not at peace with God. That's why you should be a peacemaker. Because you are at peace with God. Because of what Christ has done for you. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were what? Sinners Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. I hope you understand that adoption turns orphans into sons and daughters, but reconciliation turns enemies into friends. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Both of those things are involved in that one verse. with Adoption and reconciliation. So do you need a reminder of that? That's your reminder. That table is your reminder that Christ is the perfect peacemaker. Think about that. Think about what that means for your life. You, he's not calling you to do something he hasn't already done. You are called to be a peacemaker because he was your peacemaker. Your peacemaker on the cross. His beating. His death, his resurrection, he went through all of that to create peace between you and God. You don't realize it, but you were one time under God's wrath if you didn't know Jesus. And to be under God's wrath means you were one day going to go to hell. That's what it means. Until Christ came and rescued you. He created peace between you and the Father. You are now... God's friend. Just think about that. What it means for your life. 
to be friends with God. No longer an enemy, but you're also a son. You're also a daughter because of what Jesus has done for you. So if you are a friend of God, if you are a son, a daughter of God, then this table, this meal is for you. It's for you to get spiritual nourishment. It's for you to get encouragement. It's for you to remember that what Jesus has done for you, no one can ever take away. He can't, no one can ever take it away. You've been redeemed. Your name has changed. He ain't going to take you back to the orphanage. You are his, people. And this table is a reminder that you will be his forever. Now, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have faith in Jesus, then you need to talk to me after the service. I can go ahead and tell you what you're looking for. You're never going to find apart from Jesus. I don't care what the world tells you. You ain't ever going to find the peace that you're looking for in life until you come to Jesus. You can do whatever you want to go, run wherever you want to run. You ain't ever going to find it. You're always going to feel like something missing from your life. Because, yes, your heart crying out for a Savior. And Jesus is the only Savior that can deliver you from your sins. Parents, adults, I ask that you, the kids who have not been admitted to the table by the church you attend, do not allow them to take the elements. Now, this is my favorite part. All the kids, please look at your pastor. I'm your pastor, too. If you're not receiving this meal today, it's my prayer as your pastor that one day you will partake of this meal. Until then, this is a reminder of what Jesus has done for each and every one of you. As you grow up, the world's going to tell you Jesus ain't real. The world's going to tell you he didn't die on the cross. The world's going to tell you all these things about Jesus. But you listen to your pastor and you listen to the word of God. He died on the cross for you. For you. And it's our prayer that one day you will come to faith in him. Then you can get to partake of this meal with your parents. So until then, please observe what we do here. I'd like to call forth the elders and officers who are assisting. And, until, and I ask you now to have a moment of preparation and ask the Holy Spirit to prepare your hearts for the Lord's table.